The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guests today, well, before I get into our guests, because we always like to get into our guests, we want to tell you, for those of you who are listening to AI Today for the first time, the AI Today podcast is the place to go to hear interviews with AI thought leaders, insights into AI market trends, and insights into what's happening into uh, AI and the public and private sectors, conversations on key topics focusing on what's happening with AI today and in the future. And I say that because we're always getting new listeners on our podcast. Some of you have been listening to us for four years. We've been going on for four years and over, well, almost 200 episodes. Uh, we'll be hitting that 200 mark pretty soon. And if you are new to AI today, you may not know that we've interviewed some really amazing and incredible AI influencers and thought leaders uh, in industry and government and research, including Ben Gertzel of SingularityNet and Sophia Robot, Colin Angle, the founder of iRobot, Anthony Scrifignano from Dun & Bradstreet, Igor Perisic, who's the chief data officer of LinkedIn, Suzette Kent, the U.S. federal CIO, Jose Arrieta, the CIO of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Lord Tim Clement Jones of the U.K. House of Lords, key people at the OECD, and people from companies like Home Depot and GlaxoSmithKline and United Healthcare, and so many, so many, so many uh, great people, as well as lots of great insights into the seven patterns of AI. We did a whole seven pattern series and a use case series looking at AI in a wide range of industries. And we've spent a lot of time explaining these insights into AI and the cognitive technology markets and how different industries are applying AI, merging concepts in AI machine learning. So long story short, if you want to understand how AI is being put in practice today and where it is heading, please make sure to subscribe to the AI Today podcast on your favorite podcast provider and listen to our hundreds of episodes. Yes, and as Ron was teasing, we do have some great guests with us today. So we're really excited to have Amr Inam, who's the Chief AI Officer, and Mark Persaud, who's the Head of Emerging Experiences at Pactera Edge. So welcome, guys, and thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Kathleen and Ron. Thank you for having us. Looking forward to this exciting conversation. We are too. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners, tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at Pactera Edge. Uh, thank you, uh, Kathleen. I'll go ahead and start first. This is uh, Amorinam. I'm the Chief AI Officer of Pactera Edge. We are a global solution and services firm that builds intelligent digital platforms using human-centered design as a core concept and a philosophy to how we build systems. My background, I've been in the space of AI, ML for essentially my entire career, uh, having played with fairly early machine learning and, and neural networks model back almost 20 years, gosh, at this point, uh, to most recently a factor edge. My journey has taken me to companies like Wells Fargo, Sonic Automotive, PwC, Nike, Cambia Health Solution, and at uh, Back to Your Edge now. Um, I'll pass it off to Mark to introduce himself. Awesome. 
Hi, everyone. I, as you said, I'm Mark Prasad. I'm the head of emerging experiences at uh, Pactera Edge. Uh, so I have the fun job of being able to look across different technologies, whether that's uh, AR and MR and VR, the virtual realities or immersive reality set, or things like voice and conversational AI, and understanding how AI can play a better role within these technologies or with these technologies, whether it's within or atop uh, different digital ecosystems for our clients. So I personally have a lot of fun with that role in general, just because it gives me the ability to see um, how we can create value for our users in very creative ways with technologies where we might not see them very consumer or user friendly. Yeah. And I might add, like, one of the reasons why uh, this is such a differentiation here and why we're talking about human centricity in AI is Mark and I experience plus AI engineering are working together and cohesively, which is the core part of the conversation that we will be having at the, at the upcoming uh, uh, event with Cognolytica. And it's about building and designing intelligent digital platforms that are built with human centricity, the human in the mind, and building them to drive adoption so that we can take a lot of these concepts that are explored in a typical machine learning AI environment in an enterprise and then take them to an enterprise capability. And then the part of that journey, at least in our philosophy, is that it has to lead with human centricity. Yeah, I think that's a really great insight. We actually had a podcast not too long ago with um, uh, Jad Abumarov, who is the CTO, Chief Data Officer at uh, Fulton Bank. And he actually made a great point about the human centricity of systems, especially of systems that depend on data, because he was saying, you know, at the end of the day, the data represents people, it represents what people are doing, it represents their money, it represents their finances, and those finances represent their retirement, their college savings, their their living, right? And you and you can never it's people sometimes treat data abstractly, but at the end of the day, sometimes it's really very critical. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, one of the great things, is, of course, you can uh, you mentioned that you'll be sharing a lot of these insights at our upcoming machine learning lifecycle event. So for our listeners, uh, you, you may have heard this on previous episodes, but of course, if this is your first time, uh, we run these online free conferences that are focused on some of the, the hottest topics on AI and machine learning. And our objective is to help our audience and help people take that next step and move their projects and uh, forward. Uh, we ran a huge uh, data for AI conference uh, back in September of 2020. We had thousands of attendees. It was amazing. Hundreds of, of presenters, actually, well over 100 plus presenters. It was, it was gigantic. And what we heard is people wanted to get that same sense of insight into what's happening with machine learning. So we have the machine learning lifecycle event, which talks about the full life cycle of machine learning from building the model to managing and ops and governance and security. And that is uh, the live part of the event is January 26th through 28th, 2020. Uh, if you would like to register, go to mllifecycleconf.com. Um, we'll have that in our show notes as well. And, um, yeah, we have some fantastic presenters in five topics and three tracks. And our guests here uh, at Pactera, they're edge. They're, they're actually doing a session called Accelerating or Accelerate Concept to Value, Human-Centric Design-Driven ML Ops. There's a lot of words there. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of terms that people may be familiar with, some of them, maybe they may not be. So maybe if you can, can you give our listeners a quick overview of what the session is about and maybe some of the, the main questions and pain points that you're going to be addressing? 
Yeah, thank you, Ron. And actually, just of course, I mean, it's a tongue twister, right? And it may come across as a laundry list of technical jargon. And it's it's, and I want to make sure we can talk about. And some of the audiences are going to be uh, engineers and. Our background, both Mark and I actually come from engineering background, and engineers were talking about the art side of uh, of humanity, which is the human-centric design. What we're going to talk about is this. First thing is we're going to lay out the burning platform. We have seen the statistics and of data from Gartner to IDC that talks about the failures of AI adoption. Um, the data continues to show about 80 to 90% of uh, machine learning, data science, big data, these initiatives fail to drive value because they are not getting adopted. And if they're not getting adopted, they're not driving the value. The second statistic that I thought was fairly interesting is that even after a machine learning model is built and implemented, nearly 70% of them do not get updated and they remain version 1.0. So they start to lose relevancy, their models shift away. And, and of course, lack of relevancy impacts the adoption. And when we build machine learning algorithms, these AI uh, applications, these systems, in the end, they are all intended to drive and enhance human decision-making. And if and in humans, of course, it's our innate nature that we are resistance to change, resistance to any new information. So what we will talk about is how do we, instead of trying to change human behavior, why don't we understand the human behavior? Let's understand, empathize with our end users for whom we are building these products and then lead with that. And MLOps, of course, is, is a part of that journey, but understanding and describing what to solve and why to solve it's extremely critical in driving that sense of relevancy. And once we understand the what to solve, why to solve it, the type of value that we're intending to drive with it, the intentions behind a certain digital uh, intelligence solution, then comes the how to build it, which is where the technology comes into play and the MLOs pipeline, how do we bring it to life? So what Mark and I will talk about is this combination of the philosophical side of MLOps as well as the engineering side of MLOps and then how we can take concepts to value and actually start to drive adoption at enterprise level and then help enterprises build these, take these concepts to enterprise capabilities. Mark, anything to add to that? Hammer, you... As, as I hear you say that, it makes me think of uh, two interesting uh, examples of where design comes into play so heavily, the things that are so critical uh, within our businesses. And the first of which is actually has to do with the Notre Dame Cathedral that had burned down uh, in a, a very unfortunate uh, event. But what we had come to learn from that was there was a system in place in order to help uh, teams and uh, security know that there was an issue and that something was on fire. The part that wasn't designed was how was that after that data was taken in and understood what was the action that our users, the security team, supposed to take with that. So it's about not only understanding the the data itself and better operationalizing it, but it's the other side of how do you make these things actionable when you're on the other side of it too. So both of those parts need to be designed with the user in mind to see the value. 
Because I may have said that the value is, hey, we can detect that a fire is happening. But if I don't know what to do or where it is, once the fire has been detected, then the loss is still there. So all some interesting ideas. And yeah. Another, yes, sorry. Go ahead. Go on, Amar. Now, I would just add one more uh, example to what Mark mentioned is if we take it to a consumer goods enterprise where a core business function is demand forecasting and demand planning. And demand planning traditionally has been a very guts and experience based process because there is so much human decision making and an experience that goes into it. And when you build a machine learning based demand forecast that is supposed to infuse and enhance that demand planning process, why would somebody who has had 10 to 20 years of experience understanding a product and a consumer in and out trust that uh, uh, output, right? And and then that's where human centricity also comes into play. Like we have to understand the end user and, and then how might AI ML enhance their experience so that they can trust the information and then and then use it to drive value. Yeah, you know, these are great points. And I know that our listeners, many of them attend our events. So if you're able to catch this session live, that's great. But if not, our events are available for replay for many months afterwards. So just go to mllifecycleconf.com and register after the fact, and you can catch all of this on replay. And then if you need to reach out to any of our sponsors, including Pactera Edge, you absolutely can do so. So you can have follow-up conversations because I, I know that that is going to be um, you know, an incredible session. And I think that a lot of people need to continue to focus on that human-centric design that they might not always be addressing, especially early in their AI and ML journeys. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit. Can you mm -hmm. share with us some of the challenges that you've seen companies face with their data science projects and why they fail to deliver for their executive sponsors? Uh, thank you, Kathleen. I'll, I'll uh, start and then bring Mark in uh, to help with some of these, this question. So first thing, what we have seen, and again, I'll establish this by saying that the understanding that AI and ML are crucial and important and they drive the value for the enterprise or have the potential to do so. This is very, very well understood. Enough research has been written by, and even from McKinsey to Deloitte, we write a lot of content in this space. It's there. I mean, actually, that has taken some time. A few years ago, understanding on expectation of AI ML, even at the executive layer, it, the literacy around it was actually lacking. So it's improving. So we have that understanding. But the challenges that still exist are multifold. And I'll start at the top level, which is where it it. In my opinion, the root cause of the challenges exists. So let me quote a couple of numbers and statistics here. So um, New Vantage Partners, they do an annual survey, and consistently their surveys show that close to 90 95% of the failures of the adoption are cultural and organizational problems. Uh, we have researched that from IBM, actually their recent paper called Roadblock to Scale, it shows that about 78% of the challenges are associated with trust, making sure that AI output is fair, it's safe, it's reliable. Um, we have Designing for Analytics, their survey research shows that over 80% of the users believe that experience is critical to driving adoption. 
In IBM's own research, they wrote back to scale, about a third of the attribution to the challenges comes down to availability and, ready, availability and readiness of high quality and uh, high fidelity data. So when we think about all of these data points that are coming from these multitudes of research, what we are talking about here is that driving the adoption of AI solutions in an enterprise is not as much a technology problem. It's a human problem. And we have to approach it as a human problem. And as I mentioned in the earlier part of the conversation that as humans, we are resistant to change. So we have to come to the table with providing a sense of value, connection, empathy. And, and then the other, of course, so this is at the top level, right? And then of course, organizations problems too, like how and enterprise analytics or data operations is set up. So chief data officers, chief analytics officers in many enterprises are still do not have a seat in the C-suite. So they are having to go through another entity to advocate for what they're trying to do. Many enterprises bring in very high profile, technically savvy engineers to lead these organizations, but they are not armed with the right, they're not empowered in a way to, 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 to drive change because in the end, data science, AI, ML, that journey is a change management journey. It's not just a technology journey. So the challenges then exist around understanding and awareness at the top level. The challenges exist from uh, the organizational inertia, the challenges with the middle management where uh, the incentives are not aligned properly or not set up properly to help drive the transformation of the enterprises. It comes in the readiness and availability of the data. It comes into play that the machine learning pipelines are an afterthought and continues to be an afterthought. A lot of experimentations are happening and they're failing. They're not driving incrementally to uh, 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 enterprise capability. Um, and then there is there's this whole big um, specter in a way outside that there's a lack of trust that exists around what may come out of a black box. So, I mean, all of these things combined together, and of course there are technology challenges, there are data problems, there are uh, uh, DevOps challenges that exist there. But in my opinion, we have to address the human side of this problem to drive the adoption because engineers, we engineers are very good at innovating and solving the technical technological problems. And we can we do that. But the human side of it is something we have to bring into it. And enterprises who have done that well are reaping the benefits of that. And the enterprises that have not done that well, have not thought about it from that angle, are still struggling to get on to this AI journey. Mm. Really great insight. I know, Mark, if you wanted to chime in additionally on that, but um, I, th I think that's a crux of a lot of the problems with AI in general, as it's been for, well, decades, right? Because AI mm -hmm. is not new. <laughs> uh, no. This is sort of the mind bender about artificial intelligence in general, is that artificial intelligence is actually older than computing, right? Because Alan mm -hmm. Turing, you know, who invented yep. a lot of the fundamental ideas of computing, was also the guy who put together the Turing test. <laughs> in 1956, <laughs> the term artificial intelligence was coined. Well, tell me how many computers even existed in the world yeah. in 1956, let alone no internet 
internet, no databases, and no mm-hmm. hard drives. So, so it's kind of funny that people think, I don't know why people constantly think of AI as, as um, an evolution of computing, but it's actually not. AI predates computing. And we tell yeah. people all the time that actually in many ways, AI is really not a technology solution in such that it's actually a way of deriving insights from data, right? Trying to find patterns in data and trying to make mm-hmm. those patterns meaningful. Um, we talk about this all the time with our seven patterns of AI, or it's recognition and conversational systems, predictive analytics, patterns and anomaly detection, autonomous systems, hyper-personalization, and goal-driven mm-hmm. systems. And I think maybe that's part of the failure rate. Maybe people are really not, uh, maybe they have unrealistic expectations, which is one. <laughs> but maybe you're right. It's, it's because they're, they're, they're tackling it like a technology problem, but it's not really a technology problem, right? One of the things that, that you guys have, uh, have, have cited here with the research is that, you know, the reason for the high failure rate is not necessarily a lack of technology. We got lots of great technology, but it's a lack of adoption. And the lack of adoption comes from the fact that many data science initiatives and machine learning models are not designed with what the end user is actually trying to achieve. And therefore, maybe we have some crazy misalignment of expectations. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that, about, you know, aligning expectations, the ways that companies can change their approach, become more successful and apply, well, the right tool for the right job, right? Yeah. Uh, So I kind of wanted to take that side of the, the stakeholder really quickly and how it is that they're they're seen and what it is that they're looking at. You know, I've been in the consulting game for 10 plus years now, and, and a lot of times it always comes down to the same couple of things, right? It's uh, how do we increase the revenue, right? Very b- bottom line perspective. How do we either, can you make a really compelling case to decrease some of my costs? Uh, and what's and then what's the timeline for something like that? I think once you put speed and money together, those are the two things that most people are looking looking to. And unfortunately, what we end up seeing is that it kind of removes some of these key value or insights areas that we're looking for when we talk, when Amber talks about things like empathy or uh, people fit or general user fit. And I think making sure that those pieces are part of that, um, I'm going to say, that outlook on what does speed mean and needs to be taken into account because it's what makes it successful at the end to remove some of that disappointment that our stakeholders feel when you say, oh, okay, but why aren't we seeing the X dollars that we're looking for? Why aren't we seeing the adoption that we're looking for? Why aren't we seeing the engagement that we're looking for? And then you say, well, okay, but what did you do in order to garner that level of engagement? What did you do to garner that level of um, adoption? What have you done for the people on the other side that are utilizing this AI thing uh, to help them adopt it more quickly? I think that's one of the key questions or one of the key gaps that we see in a lot of the organizations that try to implement something like this, in addition to how often they're actually maintaining their ML models. And I might add to that, just to summarize, Ron, having been on the enterprise side most of my career, what I've seen and having talked to a lot of end users for whom we have built solutions, is this uh, perception that here comes engineering or technology trying to solve our problem, but they don't know who we are. They don't understand who we are. They don't know what we do. And then, so leading, coming to the table with a sense of vulnerability and sense of empathy and listening first is a, is a crucial step that can help avoid this phenomena that we consistently see where there are a lot of solutions that are looking for a problem. We get 
we hear that, oh, we already built this amazing solution. Why can't people just use it? Why won't they just use it? Or And it runs into the problem where you have like it end up with a technological like peg that's looking to fit into a strategic hole. It's just not going to fit. Understanding the problem itself and then the human side of it and the implementation and the application, change management side of it is, is very, very, very critical to driving that uh, adoption. Yeah, you know, thank you for that summary. And I know, like, this is a continuous conversation that folks need to be having. So I, you know, appreciate this podcast and your session at the ML Lifecycle Conference as well. But, you know, this is just start the start of the conversation and people need to continue to have that. So again, listeners, if you have not checked it out, we encourage you to register at mllifecyclecomp.com to make sure you can check out their session and engage with them um, as needed. So this was an incredibly uh, insightful podcast. And we always like to end each podcast with the same question to our guests. As a final note, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations and beyond? Um, I'll take that first and then Mark. Yeah, go ahead, Mark. Well, so I think that this is one that's a great question. And one of the things that I wanted to say, just to address our last point around this user-centric ML uh, productization, is that really the answer to it, to all these questions and even the where is it going question is really, I want to say it's really simple. It's about bringing the idea, the concept, the prototype, whatever you have to the people whose lives will be changed by such an innovation and take that time to then understand what it means to them, right? Because, you know, we, we know that this technology is super powerful, right? Like we know that it has that ability. But what we want in terms of where this is going is it for it to be not only ubiquitous, but also foundational, right? And I want to say to our users of these technologies that that's not something to be scared about. Rather, this is something that helps us to live a better life or do more of what we want to do or achieve what we want to achieve, right? It's supposed to help us get there. If you think about that as, um, I don't know, maybe like a, a weight loss application that you wanted to create. And now really it's about maintaining a wellness lifestyle. Imagine ML models being there and trained to your taste buds and your fitness goal to help make it more actionable um, to your life, right? It knows your taste. It knows what you like to eat. It knows how often you have to regulate. It knows how often or what calories and what diet you want to have. And it's automating your grocery list. Now this becomes a personalized ML model. Uh, that an org, a company might create that helps me in my healthcare life, in my health and wellness life. And now you think about that and you go back to like, well, how does this help in the ML, ML ops side of the world? And, and that's because an organization is going to help to create that and need ML ops to help train these models in a much quicker pace than what they're used to doing. So that's what I would say is generally the future of, of ML ops and where it's going. So Amber, let me turn it over to you real quick to share uh, some of your opinion. I might yeah. have some more to say after that. No, th- thank you, Mark. Um, I would um, talk about this question from near term to kind of a mid term to long term uh, AI ML. Short term, there has been significant amount of investment that a lot of companies have put into building their data science operations. So capitalizing on that is going to be very crucial in the next uh, one to two years. So when we talk about the MLOps as a platform strategy, 
taking concepts to enterprise capabilities with ML solutions that are embedded into enterprise applications. Uh, acceleration of that. The, over the next two years, we will see significant acceleration in that. Everything from big techs and then their uh, end-to-end machine learning pipeline solutions coming to the table versus um, uh, outside of the big tech, uh, fairly uh, domain-specific um, MLOps solutions coming to the market so that the engineers and algorithms uh, and the data teams, as well as the uh, uh, application developers, can work collaboratively and together instead of in silos uh, in a true agile way to build and ship um, uh, machine learning applications and embed them into to, to the enterprises. So we're going to see more and more of that. There are a lot of thought leaders in this space already talking about an experience-led approach to making the machine learning investment successful. Um, so, so that is going to take more and more of a foothold. The other part I would say is that MLOps conversation typically has been an engineering DevOps-led conversation from a platform and technology perspective. It's it's already evolving and it will solidify itself into more of a shared responsibility perspective rather than just a technology in enablement. It's an end-to-end enterprise shared uh, responsibility uh, that brings in uh, from data side, infrastructure side, all the way to the end user side, and all of the product managers, project managers uh, combined together into that ecosystem of building and managing digital intelligent uh, platform and solutions. So that's in the near term, just at uh, enterprise perspective. The midterm, I think, is the over the next uh, two to five years is the hyper-personalization. And as Mark uh, gave a brilliant example there, we're going to see that ubiquity of machine learning and AI application in consumer applications will become so seamless that we would not know and understand that how much of AI is influencing our day-to-day life, how much of AI is influencing and driving our day-to-day decisioning. And because of that, the imperative around responsible and ethical AI will become, and is already continued to, become a crucial element to that journey. And and long term, of course, I mean, there's this big goal and ambition of AI towards the AGI, the uh, artificial general intelligence, where AI systems would mimic human functions. And it's a from an um, from a purely human, everlasting human quest to understand who we are, the existential philosophical question that the 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 the, the domain of philosophy even came out of. Um, I think that will continue its pathway over the long term. Uh, There's some really amazing research that's going on with the amount of data that's collected, with the quantum computing, with the algorithm research. Uh, There are certain functions of humans from an AGI perspective. We are going to see some development, some significant development. But the question still comes down to beyond the philosophical quest to understand who we are, what can AGI do? to improve human life. And I think that's where the human-centric aspect of AGI uh, will also uh, evolve and that that dialogue will start to infuse. At least that's my opinion. Yeah, it's great insights. And 
Of course, we'd have some great insights from Amaritam because his initials are AI. Just, <laughs> just thought I'd point that out if people haven't noticed that. And of course, Mark, of course, Mark Prasad. You know, I'm just just playing on the name here. But, but you know, it's not often do we have guests whose initials are AI. So that's a unique thing. So um, I really want to, you know, thank you both. I mean, we could clearly go on for hours here. And we will continue <laughs> on this topic because we are going to have both of them uh, for our machine learning lifecycle conference. If you obviously by the time this podcast is released, actually the event, the live portions might be over. But you know what? That does not uh, prevent you from listening to and even participating in the conversation because there are opportunities for asynchronous interaction with our presenters and the sponsors. Actually, Pector Edge is also one of our sponsors. So there's plenty of resources that we have available, and we'll make sure there's more ways for you to engage with uh, uh, these fabulous folks here who are clearly putting a lot of thought and putting a lot of work into not just uh, making AI and machine learning successful, but also for their clients, you know, making their customers successful. And that's clearly important. So I just want to thank uh, both uh, Emmer and Mark for joining us uh, here on AI Today. Thank you, Ron. Thank, thank you, you so much, Kathleen and Ron. Lovely yeah, being here. So for joining us. And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica, all rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. <laughs>